0: Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by BC and Brunts here on Wednesday. Nebraska, five practices in? Five, one-third of the way through. Yeah, so we're, we're rolling right along through spring ball. But first, a question. Okay. Are either of you guys vest guys? Would you wear a vest? And I'm not talking like the suit vest that nobody should be wearing either. But the the puffy, keeps you warm, but allows you the freedom with your arms vest i can't wear them because it looks like i'm wearing a life jacket (laughs) (laughs) i don't really want that in my life uh and i tend to make fun of people who wear vests but i need to know this about you
1: that's a heck of a lead-in are you a vest guy because i make fun of vest guys are you a vest guy
2: i i'm trying to out you basically i'm not a vest guy i have one sweater vest in my closet does that count you uh, it? Or are you thinking like Marty McFly? Yeah, I'm thinking Marty McFly. Jacket? I, sweater vests
0: don't
1: bother me.
2: Yeah, I've, Are you a
1: sweater vest guy? I don't have any. Would you wear one if you had one?
2: Maybe. I haven't worn the sweater vest in about 10 years. I think, I don't want to give myself too much credit here, but it was probably shortly after college or maybe when I first started on the beat, I decided that was kind of going to be my look for some of the big events. <laughs> you know? Like everybody's kind of got to look, you know, there's some sports writers that try to do the thing where they they put the nice coat on with jeans, you know, like, yeah, I can't pull that off. It would look silly. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a nice nice dress shirt with a sweater vest over it. And that's going to be kind of my signature, you know, like my calling card. And I tried it for like a fall, like where it was what I wore to a lot of the press conferences and stuff. And I felt like one or two people, I won't name them but I felt like they copied it and took it away from me a little bit. Really? Yeah. Wow. This it's, is like 2007-ish, you know. Mm. I feel There's like Bill, a lot going on. I feel like Bill Callahan would have appreciated a vest. <laughs> that's, a, that's a heck of a vest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Sometimes I can do a pretty good Billy Callahan, but not other times did it's, you get, it's did, really awful. At your
1: previous employer, did you get your columnist picture where you were not invest in that? <laughs> no.
2: Because I, <laughs> I feel it, like that's like when you're, when you're I was really all D- in on the When I, I was at the Daily Nebraskan though, one time they tried a thing where they they drew pictures of us, you know? Were you there at that time? Uh, no, I avoided that thankfully. <laughs> yeah, th- so there's a cartoon picture of me and I don't mean any offense. I'm sure the person who drew it isn't listening. It it wasn't friend Neil Obermeyer or somebody, it was somebody less talented. And <laughs> it, it was just <laughs> the worst possible drawing. of me. my neck looks huge. Like I look like I should be a defensive end. You'd look at my ne- size of my neck. You'd be like that guy must be like two hundred fifty-five pounds and probably can could cover a back out of the backfield too. Stats department's working here to try to find the picture of it. <laughs> yes, I would think you could still. Although they've kind of, it's hard to find stuff. Ob- on obliterated the a lot of the old DN yeah. stuff, but it's it's out there. <clears throat> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so, so I am kind of a vest guy. When's the last time you wore worn a vest? Probably like six, seven years ago. So you're, you're not really a vest guy. Not anymore. I it, kept it, though, because you never know when <laughs> things could come around again. This was also kind of when Tressel was, you know, rocking college football. So I think he had some influence on it. I was trying far, to think far of far notable,
0: notable sweater vest guys. Mark Mangino was one, right? Well, I mean, any,
1: like larger mid 90s golfer too like Ian Baker Finch I'm sure was a big vest guy okay masters week name drop
0: wow
2: it's kind of it's kind of a ridiculous thing to wear when you think about it because it doesn't really provide any warmth and it's just yeah i don't understand the point it, of it it really has no purpose because you, like you look better with just a collared shirt on. right
0: as a fat guy like why do you want to look puffier like i don't <laughs> I, I don't understand it like i i know there's not anything that makes me look slim but i'm certainly not going out of my way to look like the michelin man when i'm rolling down the street
1: we found a old column picture from uh these days at the DN, however, not a cartoon. Is it
2: one where I'm like in a white thermal and I look like I just like I, he looks kind of like a ghost, <laughs> like a ghost.
1: This is, this is right. shortly after your high school playing days. Oh jeez, that's a bad picture. Wow, that's a bad. So young and full of yeah. full of potential, not beaten
2: down by we life yet. A lot yet. of hope <laughs> in that
1: photo. I hadn't. You clean shaven here, or were you still?
2: I probably couldn't grow anything <laughs> at that point in my life. <laughs> it's hard to believe that guy was a super state athlete in five sports, but yet he was. This this column was uh, <laughs> at a, a very critical juncture in
1: Nebraska athletics. It was November twenty seventh, two thousand one. Headline: Nebraska still has a chance for
2: roses. Oh, oh, and they did. They did. Look at that. It was a f- total. I can remember a total fanboy column I wrote. Um. Which I take a lot of pride in trying not to be that anymore, and be as you're straight and narrow. But I wrote in college a real, I said, "Do you want to dance cowboy?" And I was it was my lead into talking to Gary Barnett. I was Ooh. like having a column convert because you know Gary Barnett thought they got screwed, which maybe they did. I don't know, but
1: I'm assuming the point of this column is that Nebraska's sixty-two point showing on defense was of no consequence and that things would be great in the future for
2: Nebraska. no i i know that column what it was is it laid out the ridiculous scenario that could happen if like that seven things yeah and it was probably laughable and then it all happened
1: just a quick scan it looks like you got a terry Keneally reference in here i like that <laughs> all right
2: Anyways, <laughs> <from> moving on. <laughs>
0: I mean, if we really wanted to go down some bad roads, we could pull up old columns written in the Daily Nebraskan and read them on air. Yeah, that would.
2: Sometime we'll have to do that. I mean, <laughs> at the Journal Star, I one time wrote a story where I talked about Aunt Jemima and Missus Butterworth pooling all their capital together, and they still will not have enough batter uh, to make as many to cover the pancakes Nebraska had Saturday night against Texas A and M, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that was like the <laughs> lead. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no.
0: I mean I, I'm I guarantee I have terrible ones, but I don't know if I have a Yeah,
2: that's the worst. That's All the worst. All right, From well uh sweater so vest
0: to that. Yeah. You're a recovering former vest guy, is how we'll put it. Still got it. I might wear it next, wear week. It next week. I think. I th-
2: I'm going to see if I think I have it, and I'm going to bring it in next week.
0: Well, you don't have to bring it next week. What you should do is pick a game and then wear it yeah. for the game. I might and do we'll, that. We'll
1: see if we remember. I think what needs to happen is for that Colorado home game, everybody dresses like it's 2001 all over <laughs> there again. There
2: you go. Someone going to get frosted dips? Or?
1: <laughs> I don't want to promise anything I can't deliver on, but... <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about just it. Just
2: oversized clothing. Uh huh. <laughs> Does that mean I can <laughs> cover the game in jean shorts then or something? You can. All right. It's like, you ever seen the picture? Is it the 2003 draft or whatever? NBA draft where the guy, like <laughs> Kurt Heinrich, is in it and they're wearing suits that are like, that should be fit for like two of them, basically. Like, <laughs> MC Hammer. Yeah, suits. It's, it's just ridiculous. but...
1: You know what's not ridiculous? What, Brunts? Spring football.
2: Thanks for bringing Two it up. Two out of four on the yeah, segue
1: Uh So, we got to see some practice yesterday. Peek behind minutes, the curtain. 30 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes worth, which felt like a lot. Um, it's too much. It wasn't too much. Did you want to give some back? No. Did you want to hold some over for the you, next day? You cradle that 30 minutes and lock it up like a ball carrier going through heavy traffic. What would you think yesterday, Brian?
2: Um. Well, you never want to make too much of like, okay, I saw these guys do a couple drills and then stretch. No, give me some but some definite some hot, hot statements. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Give me your hottest take from yesterday. What do you got?
2: Well, I'll I'll start here. I think when you think of like when you would watch Oregon play through the years and be watch their pace, you would only look at it from like a game standpoint. You're like, man, that's really hard to defend. It must be hard for the opposing team to adjust to someone that goes that fast when you don't see it every week. And you don't actually think about the advantages that Oregon probably through the years and teams that have played like that or practiced like that pick up in the offseason. And it comes down to simple math, basically, where in the first 20, 30 minutes that we were watching, we're seeing like third team guys get multiple reps out there because it's going so fast and guys are cycling through um, at such a pace that. I would be curious like if you went to the end of spring and you could actually figure out how many snaps did they run this spring as opposed to last spring as a team and then how many snaps did like a third team guy get as opposed to a third team guy a year ago it would be ridiculous like the advantage they would have and I mean so you're you only get 15 practices every year but some teams are going to get more out of that than others and and if it's organized like it seemed to be, I thought, um, I can see where you think that's a heck of an advantage because you're getting a lot more film on guys and a lot more practice for them.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, yesterday I was thinking back to, you know, the previous times of being able to watch uh, spring practices and, and you'd kind of have the first two groups going against each other a lot and then you'd have the third team guys kind of off to the side watching and then milling is y- a yeah. the correct word they're bored. they there yeah and, and you would have you know the last 20 minutes or so of practice the third string guys and fourth string guys would go in there and you know after standing there for an hour hour and a half and you know bump into each other a little bit so you know when they were going full speed tackling to the ground in the first 30 minutes of practice and after every play mm-hmm. the groups are changing in and out I mean, as a third string guy, you're not you're not on a knee watching like you're you're going in there every third play. And I, I think that when you have 140, 150 guys like Nebraska does, you have to practice that way. Otherwise, you're not getting the benefit of having those extra guys on the roster. Well, belt, they don't you know? even have that many yet.
0: I mean, they're they're hoping to get to that amount, and so that would add even more to it. And so they're doing this with what do they what do you carry during the spring? They had 110, 115.
2: Yeah, they're about 100. I think the roster size right now is like 121 or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, the honest truth is I've always thought this, you know, when we used to get access to full practices, people would, you know, be envious of it or they'd say, oh, what was that like? And sometimes when we were over there the last few years, I would think to myself, like, if people actually saw, like, a practice, they'd kind of just be bored or like, "Yep, this is it. That's all that goes on and i i'm not saying this cuz we're supposed to like go crazy about frost or whatever he's
0: fanboying over here after Jeez. he said he wasn't going to
2: well i'm i'm not but i <laughs> i do think i i mean honest truth is you're, that was an interesting it would be interesting to actually watch that practice like stuff is just constantly happening and it it It's it stuck out and it was it was very well organized. It looked like guys knew where they were supposed to go and stuff like that. You didn't see guys just like, you know, with their hands out all the time. So, I I think it was a it was a good show. I think they maybe wanted to show us a little bit of what they do. Yeah. Um. I think that was part of it. The music. I mean, there's music at other practices too, but it felt like the music was more a part of it to me. Like even when was it more up tempo than what they've done in the past. This is really detailed stuff, but the music was like more current. It was like stuff that had just become popular and guys are really into and it was just constantly going and going. And then when they were stretching, they did a part where they clap they were clapping for the music to come back. You know, like they had a chant they had learned or something, and they all did it as a team. We—it's in our video at they, the they, end. They did that at UCF too. Yeah, like same song, Bring same, the music. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if a lot of teams do that stuff. That's here nor there, but it's—it's all—it's trying to build chemistry through even little things like that. I was the thing that stuck out to me. I don't think this is a huge
1: hot take, and you know, it's probably without knowing how complex they were being during you know the the offensive install period that we saw they're not correcting mistakes on the field they're just continuing to to roll things through but i was impressed with how nebraska's quarterbacks seem to be really in charge of the offense like if, if there was a guy out of place you know Tristan Jebbia or Patrick O'Brien or Andrew Bunch or you know, especially Noah Vejral Bunch you know, um, What'd you say? Bunch. Bunch. Yeah. Bunch.
2: He's making a move.
1: He, he, huge move. <laughs> I was
0: thinking that would be one of your big takeaways: is that I this re- guy might be a better fit in the offense
1: I'm, now than he was previously. I'm, I'm building to a big crescendo oh, here. Sorry, we hijacked. Gosh, it's all right. <laughs> Go My ahead. Bad. But it, it. I was. Expecting to see, you know, still some guys out of place, guys learning the offense, and, and that kind of showing on the field. But I, I was pretty impressed by how in control the quarterback seemed. And, and not just, you know, O'Brien or Jebbia or, or Vedril, but, you know, across the board, I mean, even Adrian Martinez seemed like he was pretty dialed into what they were doing. And again, I don't know how complex they were being. Maybe they were just reviewing stuff that they've done now for five practices, but. That was something that stood out to me was that everything was, like you said, it, you, you were going quick, but it wasn't just a, a total fire drill out there, guys running mm-hmm. around everywhere. What were the assistant
0: coaches doing? Because, like, I mean, the the old practice structure, you'd have a play, and then they'd all go into the, the middle, and they're talking to their players and everything. But if you're running on that fast pace, I mean, are they just constantly with their groups sending guys in and out?
2: They were. Some of them were. I would see a, a coach, like, pull a guy over. Maybe it was a guy who didn't have a rep coming for a few plays and talk to him about something. And um, Frost was very much in the middle of it, like, looking at his sheet, you know, what they're doing. And, um, and again, I want to tell people this is – this is we left right after they stretched, you know. So they probably really dialed it up after, after we departed. Um, so you're seeing some of the basic stuff that they – probably feel more comfortable with and sure. maybe later on with stuff where they were confused or trying to figure it out and there there was some guys running into each other I don't know but uh, yeah it was it was a good showing and I I kind of like the fact that right off the bat basically the music starts they step on the field and they did some quick little drills not that are going to overly tax your body before you stretch too much and they probably did some of that maybe behind the scenes but then they kind of got into stretching again and um, so it's like right from the gun, you're like, you better be ready because you're going. Yeah.
1: Well, and even the, the stretching part that we saw, I mean, it was real quick. It yeah. wasn't, you know, everybody taking 20 minutes to stretch like we'd kind of gotten used to uh, under the previous staff. I mean, it, and it just sets the tone where you're, you're going to practice fast and, you know, guys need to be ready to go. And Frost has talked about that. I, yeah. mean, I think Troy Walters even brought it up where. You know, you you have to, in in the Big Ten, you have to be ready to play right away or you're going to be down, you know, 14 zip from the get go.
0: The the conversation that stuck out to me yesterday, Greg Bell was talking about just how out of place he felt during the first practice because that tempo was not like anything he'd ever done before. And he was just sort of trying to explain that when you've never seen anything like that, then you're thrown into it and you're just trying to keep up with everybody. And he said, by about the fourth practice, he finally felt like he he knew where he needed to be. But I mean, they just threw the guys in immediately into this structure that they're going with.
1: They uh, and it's it's funny though too because I mean, as much as we talk about tempo, I mean UCF was still fairly far down the list mm-hmm. of of number of plays that the teams ran and like the tempo, I guess that that you know you'd expect them to be like top ten. Yeah,
2: they're not. But at they're all. not. Yeah. I mean it's just really and we need to make that clear as we get closer to the season really it's something that's just within their arsenal to play fast and it's not I don't think people should just expect them when the games start like it's going to constantly go like that but they can go like that and that's the thing if you have the threat of it the defense is always thinking like okay they might do a series or something on us where they're they're running they're running a play every 10 seconds and and it's a change up and that you know Nebraska's done that in the past, so it's not going to be a total adjustment here. Tim Beck kind of tried to do that, you know, as he got into his tenure as the O coordinator. So there, there'll be some of that, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Was there a guy? I mean, the spring is kind of the time for this, but a guy that you saw yesterday, where you're like, okay, th- this guy, like, kind of did, oh shit, this guy, like, really put in work in the off season, or this guy really Are you allowed to say that? I, I think so. What can I say?
0: Shit. You said it twice now. Okay. This was after admonishing me multiple times for swearing
2: during the fall. It
1: was a test. I was seeing if you'd admonish me as well. I wouldn't.
2: Okay. Tell me what point that is in the podcast so I can tell my mother Like, Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, about 18
1: minutes in. Okay. All right. Um, We're
2: going to have the explicit thing next yeah. to her name now.
0: Um,
1: which opens up a whole new avenue for Brian, I'd point Yeah. Out. That spoken word stuff is going to take a turn for something. Um <laughs> Was there a guy yesterday that You're like, okay, this this guy looks better than I thought compared to last
2: year. Or kind of that that kind of category. Um, there's there's definitely a few guys who you're like, okay, he's dudeing it up out there. Like he he's a dude. Yeah. And Austin Allen, I've said, and I'm gonna just keep saying it, cause. You know, i trying to
1: buy all the
0: stock I can this spring. I, I
2: like to use the, the buy stock phrase over and over again. But he's the Aurora Aurora guy, and he's 6'8", and he looks like he's a problem. Like, he looks like he's going to be a problem for and a And they lineback. really like him. Yeah, they do. I think they see him as, like, that type of athlete tight end, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to have to get it done as a blocker and stuff like that. But he's he's that guy who, okay – you know the defense has to worry about Stanley JD a Jerron Woodyard type Mike Williams and oh we're going to slip an athletic really tall tight end you know in the you know, that range of 8 to 12 yards down the field and deal with it let's see well, if you can stop it
0: and then in the red zone i mean he's just going to be a nightmare for some teams to try to mm-hmm. cuz you got to worry about all these other options they have and then here's this 6 8 guy
2: yeah. that you can throw a quick out to on a you know in the red zone and he looked put together the the knock on him last year was that he he's well he's got to do the weight room stuff he's behind there and he looked like he had kind of caught up in that regard i'm sure there's still more to go but he was a guy how about you is it first off is it fair to now call austin allen
1: a friend of the podcast yeah i've talked the, about him too much the, i'm the pod seems to be very high on austin allen yeah which I, I agree well by the way.
0: i mean to be a friend of the podcast don't you have to be like a regular
2: listener should tell Austin now. Like, we hey, could call we, him a podcast we crush. We talk about you all the time. Or something. He's podcast a crush. crush. Yeah, yeah, he's a crush. Okay. Um,
1: who's cr- who's tell, your crush? We could tell him. He could be like, hey, there's this podcast that really thinks quite highly of you. I, I bet he would like that. Who's uh, your crush? I won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it was yesterday was kind of the first chance to see some of the new guys run around. Um. Mike Williams, I think, is going to play Mm -hmm. um, and be an issue right away for for teams. I mean, guy put 10 pounds on since he's been on campus. He still has the speed. I mean, you posted a video of him getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, First
2: five yards, really impressive. Yeah,
1: um, and a a guy that, you know, how he came in Nebraska, I think it's a little fortuitous that everything kind of came together there uh, for both sides. And, you know, Justin McGriff – I don't know, you know, what he's going to look like, you know, trying to run a, you know, a 50-yard pattern and I don't think Nebraska is going to ask him to do that. But he's every Griffin, bit run a fly. Yeah. He's like every bit of 6-foot six, 6 and yeah. he stands out oh, a lot. Yeah.
0: He's got those shoulders that you can just tell like he could put another 20 pounds on that frame and still look really good.
1: Yeah. And it's it's funny cuz you know Nebraska for a few years had been trying to find a big-bodied wide receiver, um, and and you know Scott Frost and his staff just kind of have this guy in their back pocket. Like, oh yeah, we've got a six-six guy that you know we can put some weight on. He can play tight end. He could probably play, or he's going to play wide receiver. Could play tight end if they bulk him up enough. Um, he's just an, an intriguing player, I think. And you know watching him go against a five-foot-ten cornerback yesterday. I mean that that's a that's a matchup you'll take every day if, if you're an offensive coordinator.
0: I didn't get to watch him on Tuesday, but he I've seen him several times coming off the field and the first time was like a wait, who the was that? Guy Thomas mm. really looks built. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, he a lot of people are hoping that he can be an outside pass rusher that Nebraska hasn't had in a while and he certainly had a nice career of doing it. Um, I want to say for Booker T down in Miami. That
2: was his senior year. Yeah, yeah. He moved it all around.
0: And I mean, he is all of what six three, six four, probably two thirty five. You think and,
2: he's at? I, I'm curious what he is.
0: Yeah, I I don't know exactly, but man, he just at least from like the walking off the bus standpoint, that guy looks like a defensive football player that people around here have been clamoring for. Whether it actually operates in that fashion. don't know but at least in terms of initial impressions from where he was when he came in as a freshman to what I saw here the other day pretty impressed
1: as Mario Verduzco says he uh he looks good in the pajamas
2: which is what he calls the the helmets (laughs) and shorts Uh, pajamas Guy Thomas also I mean his story to get here that's a kid who'd had to go through a lot just to get to college and be at this place and Usually if a guy like that, after he makes it a year through college, they're in in good position because they've worked so hard to get there. They're not going to want to let it go. I sometimes worry about those guys the first year because, you know, you come from Miami and it's such a different culture and it's such a shock. Like you wonder, are you going to be able to stay here? Are you going to like it? And he's here and he looks like he's – I'd be surprised if he's not on the two deep. I really would yeah I mean I think he has to be you you think I mean basically you're talking Alex Davis, you know you need well, him.
0: the spring too deep will be a little different because Gifford won't be on it,
2: yeah. I'm thinking of the. I mean, last year at that, basically they had Gifford on the one side, and then you had you know Alex Davis, Cedric King trying to kind of man the other side, and
1: a little Marcus Newby. In there yeah, in the
2: there was. So he's got to. Yeah, he's got to be a big. Yeah, you would think him and and potentially Colin Miller and potentially Caleb Tanner. Colin Miller is a guy that is going to be something because he he's a guy who cares about it, and he'll he'll be in the mix.
0: All right, well, um, any other thoughts that you have from talking with coaches here since, what was it? Well, I mean, the last podcast we hadn't talked to any of the assistants yet since they've really gotten into practice. Any other great pajama-related quotes? I Actually, say pajama. I don't know why I said it like you did there. I don't even like that I did that. I
1: was, I was, I say pajamas as well, but yeah. he was, he pronounced it pajamas. Of course,
2: which... I kind of prefer that. And as I think about it, yeah, yeah. you're
1: a, you're a pajama over a pajama. I've been
2: pajamas, but I might change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is this like the best thing? You sense it coming back. You can
2: change that <laughs> things in your life, you know.
0: Uh, anything jump out <laughs> from some of the coaches you guys have talked with, or even the
2: players? Um, I'm trying to think of coaches I've talked to. Well, I'll say this. You know, yesterday, uh, there's been something. I don't think a big stink's been made about it. But, you know, there hasn't been as much access to the actual watching them practice. But the access to guys and coaches is as great, maybe greater than it's ever been. It felt In like the spring. Didn't it feel like last year there were days where we didn't go over there? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so far, every practice, there's been something going on. And yesterday... You know, I thought this is a cool thing and I think they're going to do it next week with the quarterbacks and maybe even Adrian Martinez who hasn't played a snap. All 5 of them. Yeah, which goes against the, you know, the Winning old the, freshman yeah. rule where they can't speak. But I I get the sense Scott Frost and those guys like Mario Verduzco talks about it like using how they talk to the media and it's not your top evaluating point, but it's something you analyze like how does he handle that? You know, mm-hmm. you kind of factor that in and Yesterday they had Will Honus doing it, and we all know that Will's not a big talker, and it probably wasn't his favorite thing. But then you had Scott saying he's got to be a talker. we got to get that out of him. And I even wonder if there's something to that where it's like, you know, that's part of it. Get these kids out in front of the cameras and stuff and let them learn how to grow in that. And I, if that's the case, I like it. I'm going to pretend that's the case because I like that idea.
1: Yeah. Well, Tuesday we're definitely getting all five quarterbacks, so that'll be – an interesting, uh, I guess, day to kind of see how that goes, especially because I, I feel like all five of those guys are pretty poised.
0: I look forward to Adrian Martinez having to rehash his recruitment for the people that don't actually cover it, who then need to have all of this information yeah. that they had months
1: to gather. Yep. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> he, he's going to be a guy that's – Because that
0: happened yesterday
1: and it was annoying. Yeah, it did. A he'll, lot. uh Adrian Martinez, though, will he'll win the press conference? I, I, put it that way. Oh yeah! Wow! No, I mean, over the other guys? No, because it's it's going to be one of those things. Where you don't think
0: Andrew Bunch is going to get up there and win the press conference?
1: I think here's what people are going to assume <laughs> that Adrian Martinez, freshman, and people have not talked to him. He's like it's like talking to like a twenty five year old.
2: He's way more mature than anybody at this table. Oh, absolutely. He's <laughs> that's without question. He's not
1: wearing a vest. That's for damn sure.
0: Or he is. <laughs> <And> <laughs> been he hasn't wearing them for years. Been wearing him
1: for years. Um, no, I, it's it'll be interesting because to your point though, I mean you've got quarterbacks who I think are pretty comfortable talking to yeah. people. That's it's a key part of what they have to do with running offenses, I think it'll be uh, an interesting change
2: from the way things have been for the last five to seven years. Now I have this picture of, like, Adrian. Like, we have to wait a few minutes, and then Adrian Martinez comes out, and he's, like, in this really nice suit, like a Jay Wright suit, and he's got, like, you know, a $200 cologne smell to him. And he's like, all right, guys, questions. You know, he brings it in. (laughs) I had the same thought about the cologne part of it. (laughs) But
0: I was definitely thinking, like, oh, these guys are all going to go get their suits now to try to win the the press conference.
1: (laughs) He'll win it. I think they'll all win it, but I think, I think Maybe. Adrian Martinez in particular, because <laughs> nobody loses a press conference. I'd Everybody like a, wins.
2: I'd like uh, like Andrew Bunch know. to say, uh, "It's to my job." <laughs> I want Bunch to say, "Like it's my job." They're gonna have to yeah. rip it from my f- fingers. I would you know, I some quote like
1: that. I would appreciate a little Bunch hubris. <laughs> Someone just takes full heel. Yeah,
0: instead of the standard uh, we're all trying to compete and help each other get better.
2: Andrew Bunch says, Adrian's got a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to grow. Noah Vedrill comes out <laughs> and goes, I've
1: been teaching them the wrong offense the entire time. Bunch has thrown away two people's playbooks.
2: <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so They don't know what's going on.
1: It's like quarterback hunger games. Yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> the interviews we imagine and what actually happened are always far different, and it's unfortunate for
0: that.
1: Yeah, what we're
0: creating is far (laughs) more interesting than what we ever get, I guess. All right, well, um, Nebraska had a junior day on Saturday, and they hosted a number of recruits from inside the state of Nebraska and quite a few people that traveled uh, from outside the state to visit, including several uh, that have offers in Ramir Johnson and Marcus Hicks and E.J. nedoma Ogar and luke fulton mm-hmm. who else
1: oh uh, well there was reese atterbury the 2020 offensive lineman.
0: the other 2020 would be xavier betts mm-hmm. from bellevue west mm-hmm. so and they, they have more visitors than just those guys but those are are the notable ones because they have the offers now and then there's guys like uh Etinosa rubin and seth Molinax and, and guys who are senior film guys or on the board guys or come to camp guys. I mean, there's just a whole layer to this thing, but it looked like a pretty successful run to the junior day, but it really feels like it's going to be a tune up for this weekend where it seems like they're going to have, they're going to have guys coming in as early as Thursday of this week uh, for, for visits. And it could be a pretty good weekend for them. Again, I'm not anticipating commitments. I know that that's, going to make some people groan and, and be annoyed. But I, I think this is going to be kind of a slow build this spring. And so I'm not looking for these massive weekends in which five guys are jumping in the boat and Nebraska's trending all over college football and all of that. But I think they're they're going to be able to, to show, you know, the recruits coming in on the junior day of what this practice and, and what these things look like. And that was a big takeaway from every kid that I talked to is, holy crap, their practices are juiced up; like they have a lot going on, and they were they were really interesting. Because some of these guys, I mean, Brian mentioned it as a media member. You got a little bored watching practice. Some of these recruits have gone to a lot of practices and have seen a lot of the same
1: boring stuff, and they did not see that on Saturday in Lincoln. I thought uh, Reese Atterbury, when I talked to him, had a, a quote that you probably need to put on a bumper sticker if you're Scott Frost, <laughs> basically a mix of Oregon speed and and Nebraska power is kind of what they're gunning for. Wow. Um, So, you know, go ahead and throw that on uh, a T-shirt or, yeah. um, Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Big Ten West. Um, but They're going to have to adapt to Nebraska. That's true. That that can go on the back of the shirt. Um, But when you were talking to recruits, did it – Did you get a sense that – I guess a sense of how things were run differently in this junior day versus, say, under a Riley and or Polini staff?
0: Uh, I mean, all junior days are roughly the same in the sense that if they're taking place during the spring, you're going to have guys watching them practice. They're going to go into the photo suite thing where they're putting on the jerseys and the gear and they're getting their photos. You're going to have the moment where Scott Frost talks to everybody collectively. But then there's, you know – things that are tailored to individuals specific, like Marcus Hicks basically had Matt Davidson acting as his Sherpa everywhere he went on campus on Saturday. And and the Hicks family loved it. They really enjoyed spending time with Matt Davidson. He was marching them around the field. I mean, they felt like they had complete all access to everything they wanted. Hicks was able to ask questions of what was going on with the defense during practice as this was all happening. Uh, so they really – Felt like they got this full access experience. I haven't heard a whole lot of that in the past. I mean, it felt like the coaches were getting to more recruits than what I have heard, you know, in the past. And a lot of times you have guys come in that maybe, you know, a Seth Molinax who's someone they're considering but isn't probably likely to get an offer from Nebraska, you know, before camp season rolls around, or at least before they go out and evaluate them in Wyoming here this spring, you know, Greg Austin spent quite a bit of time with him, and that's impressive in itself because Greg Austin was also spending a lot of time with a four-star guy in EJ Ndoma O'Hara. So, I mean, it, it's a uh, – I don't know why you're smirking over there. I'm sorry. Pronunciation? i sorry. That pronunciation. You're doing great. Sure. I'd <laughs> like to see you try.
1: I, that's why I'm not. Yeah.
0: I, I noticed that smirk. You thought you could hide it. <laughs> I saw it. I've lost my whole train of thought now. But lots, the point is lots of time Greg Greg Austin. Was a yeah. yeah, yeah of Greg that. Austin cares about I, people. I was listening. Um, <laughs> the point is that these coaches were able to spend, it felt like, a, a significant amount of time. And even Scott Frost was able to bounce around from person to person to person. And you didn't always have that with Mike Riley. Like I said, you always had the, like, they gave a speech and they talked about, you know, whether it was at Nebraska or somewhere else going out and putting forth your best effort. You get one last shot at a high school season. You get one last shot at preparing yourself for that season. You have to do the best that you can. The recruiting will always be there, but your focus needs to be on, you know, your season and on all of this. And that was the sort of message that was presented on Saturday. Um, overall, like I said, I, I think that it went well. It wasn't set up that they were going to knock in all of these commitments, but guys like Ramirez Johnson and Marcus Hicks, and some of the others that don't have offers are set up in situations that Nebraska moved up their board. They're maybe not the number one school, at least in the case of Hicks. I don't think so at this point. But you combine the sort of feeling they had on Saturday with you get those guys back for a game day, Nebraska has a little bit of success, you get a little more buzz going, you can certainly see where that relationship really kind of grows.
2: I have Good stuff. That's what uh, I have to say. What a
1: dead air there. But you, you mentioned just kind of the – we're still a couple of weeks away. I mean, what what are you seeing spring game-wise? Because that's obviously going to be a big weekend versus, you know, just the the two junior guys.
0: Um Well, I mean, Ty Robinson is maybe the biggest name attached to the spring game at this point. Uh, that, you know, you feel good for sure that he's coming in. you got the – you would assume – Chris Hickman is coming in that weekend. I think Heinrich is coming in the weekend before on the 14th, if I have that correct. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of guys that we have necessarily locked in 100% are going to be visiting. But there's been a lot of people that have talked about, they are considering it. It's always one of those things that makes me leery because it gets to the point where if you don't have a flight and you're coming from Texas, unless you're making that 10-hour drive on Friday, I don't know if you're Actually going to be there, so I think this upcoming Junior Day weekend right now has a bigger guest list because of guys like John Olmstead and Braden Liebrock and some of these people. Olmstead, a four-star lineman from New Jersey, Libroch, a tight end athlete, jumbo athlete, one of your favorite terms, jumbo uh, from Arizona. And those guys are coming in early this week. Lee Brock Thursday, Olmstead Friday, and then Saturday you're going to have a host of of visitors as well, including some kids from St. Louis, Thomas Grayson from Tulsa. So it, it's going to be a bigger week in terms of offered guys
1: that I can tell as of right now. Nice. Um, it's popped up on the board. Do did, did we want to talk about quarterback recruiting, or do we want to save that?
0: I don't really have a whole lot to add
1: at this point other than if
0: I could pick one guy that I'd love to see in this offense, it would be the kid from Mississippi because he's fast.
1: Are you still, where, where's your crystal ball on Max Duggan?
0: I still have it set to Nebraska at the moment, and I'm right now I would be wrong. I mean, all indications made to me is that it's Minnesota, and Notre Dame are pulling one-two at the top. Um, I think that Notre Dame – could jump Minnesota if they decide that they're going to go all in on on Max Duggan. Uh, But right now, if I had to guess, it looks like it would be the Gophers. But I'm still curious, you know, if if Nebraska were to make a push, if he wouldn't have that interest in staying a little bit close. I know that he really likes the coaching staff. But from the, the sense that I've gotten, and this is somewhat guesswork in some conversations, they haven't really pushed that hard compared to other programs. So if he's feeling a lot of love elsewhere, he's going to gravitate towards that. And P.J. Fleck is going hard. And and Brian Kelly and Notre Dame are going harder than Nebraska at this point. And I, I, do, I just don't know what that means in terms of their quarterback board. To me, it almost feels like Nebraska feels there's enough guys that they like that they want to truly evaluate them in the April period before they get super locked down with anybody. But, you know, we'll have to see kind of
2: how that goes. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, that's smart to me too. I mean, you gotta. I I know with quarterbacks, you feel like you get, sometimes you gotta jump right in, and there, it feels like that calendar has moved up. But if there's if there's a good crop of guys, and this class appears to have it, it's completely advantageous to, you know. I think. <laughs> I think this staff has confidence, especially with what they did in Adrian Martinez, that if they really turn on the charm on two or three or four guys at that position, they're going to win the day eventually on one of the, you know, whoever their top three on the board are. So it'll be one of those things where if, if Dugan goes somewhere else, it'll be a big thing around here, but I wonder if it should be as big a thing.
1: Well, I think, I think it's more of the proximity that's kind of driving it, right? Well,
0: there's that, and then, I mean, it's, it's also the idea that I think if it's not him, who's it going to be? Because that's right or wrong, the quarterback is always the focal point of how people view a recruiting class, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about a place like Nebraska where you know, you have this offense coming in and people want to know who the next guy is going to be. And it, they've heard a lot about Max Dugan, and the previous staff really liked him. And this staff came in, and they immediately had coaches going to his school, and Scott Frost took a photo of his football team. And he had all this, and then it kind of dries up. And then you think about, oh, this guy's going to go play for Minnesota, so they could be playing him every year. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of facets in that whole sort of thing with, with Max Dugan. But I think most importantly to fans would probably be, if it's not going to be that kid, who's it going to be?
2: The uncertainty. It kills people. Yeah. In football and in life, really.
0: <laughs> well, with those words of wisdom, we now throw it to back to Brian for his spoken word song of the day.
2: <clears throat> okay. Let me pull it up. <laughs> this was a request, I'm not gonna say from who. The song is Hootie Who by Outcast. <laughs> Andre 3000 and big boy. I never said I was a gangsta, but I will do ya. So hallelujah, hallelujah. One for the players at the crib drinking drinks and two is for the sound. Hooty hoo that I make. Hoo-de-hoo!
1: Well done. Well done. There you go. I feel like you could do outcast every week. I think you mentioned that earlier. Yeah,
2: maybe you might need like an a out- quick outcast, like words of wisdom, and then you've got in into another one. I'll have to think about that. So that potential. was
0: much faster than the poison song. Yeah, God.
2: well last uh, we kinda learned a lesson through that. I, I felt like I lost the audience a little bit with the poison. There was a little bit but too much the, bell <laughs> to the beau. There was an important message in it. Yeah. I like the beginning of the poison song though, where they were talking amongst each other. You ready? Biv. You ready, Biv? Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, Sponsored that, by nobody.
0: I think that pretty much concludes our, our podcast here. We we played the hits. We talked football. We talked recruiting.
1: We talked about BC's fashion. I look forward to Vest Week next week. <laughs> vest Week. S- speaking of Vest Week, who you guys got winning the Masters this no, week? That's oh, a good there question. We go. There that's you a good go. Good thing to finish it with.
0: uh I made three bets. Yeah? I bet on Sergio to win again. Yeah? <laughs> because the odds are still too high. They're 33-1. to 1. The guy's got, I think, two out of the last three years a top six finish. Um, and he's playing really well this year. I bet on Matsuyama, who I feel like plays well on Sundays there, which I think is a recipe to picking somebody that's going to win. They need, you need somebody that
1: plays well on Sundays. I feel like you always end up picking Matsuyama somehow. Didn't she pick him last year? Like there was some conversation we had where you were definitely all in on Matsuyama.
2: Uh I don't think I
0: picked him to win it last year, but he was probably on my master's team as he is again this year. And then I I think the guy that's gonna win it is Rory McElroy. And he's the third person that I bet on, and the odds were really good at sixteen to one before he won his tournament here a few weeks ago. Uh, so I jumped on that. I, I think Rory is getting back to being the best player in the world. Uh, and he's really, really good, even though he's maybe not the most fun person to root for all the time. But uh, I, I think he's going to
2: have a really good week <clears throat> at Augusta. I'll take Justin Thomas. Um, I mean, he's just – the last year or so, he's been as consistent as anybody. And I, I, I think he's overcome his uh, little deal where he got mad at the fans and had some – blow back from that um i think justin rose if you the last month or two it feels like he's just always there hanging around yeah and i don't really want him to be i don't just i i just i don't know he's just i just can't get that fired up about justin rose Bubba watson is also playing well and knows that course well and i he's another guy i that kind of bores me but i could see being there on sunday i think tiger is going to be top five Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I mean, I, th- I think whenever Tiger's game is somewhat in order, he knows Augusta well enough that he can even, if he's spraying it around a little bit, he finds his way out of it. Like, there was a few years ago when he was eh, – it was probably 2012, actually, or so. But he was struggling a little bit. But he still finished, like, third or fourth at the Masters, just kind of getting himself out of trouble the whole – I think top – Fifteen wouldn't surprise me. Top five would surprise me. I think I'd I would take that bet. I'd like bet I'll bet right. you I'll bet you he's top Loser five. Loser wears a vest. <laughs> that can be that's fair <laughs> enough. That seems like a fair bet.
1: I'd have to go buy one. <laughs> I, There's a goodwill not far from here. You can get yourself right. a goodwill vest.
0: We can – we'll discuss terms, but I kind of like the idea that loser
1: wears a vest to a a football game this year. (laughs) Okay, bronze. Uh, I'm going to go with – I think McIlroy is is my pick. Um, But I'm going to go with Henrik Stenson as my Hmm. somewhat – He doesn't hit it long enough. Dark horse. He's got three top ten finishes this year. Uh, Stenson's a great player. He just doesn't – the course doesn't suit him well. I don't, that's why he's a dark horse. Yes.
2: Who do you want to see? Like, okay, not a pick. Maybe it is a pick, but who do you want to see? Who am see? I rooting for? Yeah, like who?
1: <clears throat> There's part of me that wants to see Phil win it. Just because. Big I, Phil guy? I generally, li- generally like Phil, and also any guy that drives through a, a Krispy Kreme donut drive through wearing a green jacket the next day after winning the Masters, is okay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> what about Bubba Watson showing up at a Waffle House? Is that in the same. No. No, that's not in the same.
0: No. Wow. It's a Waffle House. I Phil guy. I you don't like him. Big Phil guy. I
1: didn't know that. Yeah, Fig Jam.
0: Who do I want to see win it? Uh, probably Matt Kuchar. Uh, I, I always root for the, the guys that have never won um, a major event like that, especially that have played a long time. That's why I was happy for Sergio last year besides monetary reasons. Um, I, I would like to see Kuchar do it. I don't think that
2: he will, but I I would love to see it. Would C- you? Lo- Kuchar feels like a guy that would wear a vest. Yeah, he would. Would you? Wouldn't you like Matt the, the Sketchers? Yeah. Wouldn't you they like Matt Kuchar to be the guy who greets people at your wedding? Kind of. I mean, he would be perfect for that role. Seems like a genuinely
1: nice dude. Not Man, only that, but sketches. he would also volunteer to make sure that all the gifts from the table
2: make it back to your <laughs> hotel room afterwards. As well. I, I can get those in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. He would. He would. <laughs> Anybody want to help me? No, that's okay. I'll get them. Yeah, I'll make two trips. <laughs> I uh, I I'm uh, fans of two guys really. Ty- I become a Tiger fanboy later in life. Yeah, I didn't wow. like it. I didn't like him when he dominated. I liked him when he hit the. When he hit the wall and his life went to hell. So you like comeback Tiger? Yeah, I've been on the. I've been like, oh, I kind of miss the guy, and I then I start rooting for him, and I start following his, every shot on Twitter now, and and Rick, I like uh, Ricky Fowler, even though he's a flat bill guy. I used to hold that <laughs> against him, and then I decided, hey, he seems like a really kind of I, decent. I enjoy that
0: the people that BC roots for he initially disliked.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I don't like this guy. Three years later, I like this guy. <laughs> What, what is, is Graham McDowell is he still a thing I always felt like he was the guy where you're like I could have a beer with that guy I'm gonna I'm, I'm rooting Miguel. for him yeah like he, he obviously didn't really work out um, which I appreciate in a golfer um, <laughs> so, so Jason Duffner is a guy for you too yeah
2: Duffner's kind of fallen off hasn't he yeah, yeah he's not I,
1: I mean those guys all have short shelf lives because you know they're not working <laughs> out thing but I, I, could, I would say I'm more of a Graham McDowell guy than a Phil guy but see, you can see why I also like Phil yeah, but
0: Stenson is, like, so far away from... Stenson's, like, the guy that works out in between holes. Right. Like, he's just doing crunches after he... He's, like, up against the bench bit. doing some, like, tricep dips. He probably has, like, a workout sheet that if he gets a birdie, he's going to do this. If he gets a par, he's <laughs> going to do that.
1: If he gets a bogey... He makes his caddy
0: carry he's around doing a 50-pound dumbbell just because. He's, like, pushing... And he's doing the push-ups with a clap in between. I could see Patrick that. Patrick Reed with
1: Swedish efficiency. Did
2: you enjoy the tournament a couple of weeks ago where Patrick Reed decided to wear red? Uh, he wore red on Sunday, kind of as an homage to Tiger, and um, it was just funny. Someone tweeted it. They're like, "What you Tiger was like, what you think you are looking like when you put it on?" <laughs> and Patrick Reed is what you actually look like. And I, so I kind of enjoyed that. I like Patrick Reed too.
0: Yeah, well, a little bonus <laughs> Masters talk yeah. at the end. Yeah. here. All right. Well, we'll recap who won the bet between myself and BC next week on the podcast. We'll have more spoken word.
2: Wait, so what's the bet, just so we have it again? Tiger has to be top five. He can tie for fifth, right? Yeah. And if he is, then you wear the
1: vest. Yes. And if not, then you wear the vest. Mm -hmm. But somebody's wearing a vest. Next
0: week. So we'll discuss, but we should probably make parameters as to what type of vest.
2: I think the vest should be you have to wear my vest, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I have to wear a vest that. You my know, you shoulder might... might wear your vest. <laughs> well, I think that would, it would make the bet funnier, but um, <laughs> and I then I would have to wear your vest and wear it to like a game. And <laughs> I don't think we need to
1: exchange vests here. I think somebody just needs to wear a vest for the podcast. <laughs> Give me new next pillows, week. so you can actually fill All that right. thing in.
2: Just our own vest. That's what the bet. So is. So
1: loser wears a vest next week for the Nebraska twenty four seven podcast.
2: And maybe Wait, to a game. I thought it was for a game. Maybe to a
1: game. We'll, just, we'll see how the podcast goes first, <laughs> and then we can add the game. Okay. You don't right. want us
2: to embarrass the company, do you? <laughs> then we'll get you a company sweater vest. I'm
0: rooting very hard against uh, Tiger Woods now this weekend, even harder than before, which is pretty pretty high. All right. So uh, I'm finally going to get us out of this train wreck of a finish here. Please do. And, uh, you, guys, as always, you can check our stuff out at uh, Nebraska.247sports.com. And we should have everything you need to know from the spring and junior day, upcoming spring game. And as always, the podcast will be available to you once a week, usually around Wednesday or Thursday. We'll catch you next week.